0: Good evening, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us on a very funky edition of Just Like the Movies, where we hope that as crackers we have not gone too far, as uh, Mike Lovin said on X about our choice of our next movie, which is 2009's Black Dynamite. Very obscure. I don't. E- I think it might even be generous to call it a cult movie, but it is always interesting when you present it to somebody. And you ask them, and they they mention it, that they've seen it. It's always kind of a funny conversation. But it happens very rarely, and I know that I've picked some pretty obscure movies, and this is definitely, I think this might be the most, because, and I am curious what my co-host thought about it, and that would be the headcracker, Johnny. Johnny, how you doing? Yo. (laughs) Yo.
1: I'm doing good, pal. I'm doing good. Can't complain. Got uh, dumped on like f- a foot of snow uh, today. So that happens. I had oh, the, whole, geez. the whole family at home while I was working and had all that craziness going on. Uh, but it hadn't really snowed much this winter. So I know we were due for it. Um, but yeah, black dynamite. Hadn't seen it. So this was the first watch for me um so i didn't know what to really expect going in i i'm not gonna you know i'm just right off the bat you know i am no historian in black exploitation movies i know of them i've seen some of them that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge with it so i'm not gonna sit here and you know do some sort of comparative analysis or you know <laughs> i don't think anybody i
0: don't think we'd e- want to do that anyway but
1: easter eggs and callbacks to you know pam greer or richard roundtree or whatever but uh i had fun with this movie you know to it's a very streamlined linear watch uh very easy to burn through in 84 minutes or whatever um but i had fun with it and it's funny like right out of the gate i'm just like boobs 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 okay <laughs> yeah there were
0: <laughs> there were quite a few adult actresses in this production
1: yeah and i was laughing at you know it it reminded me a bit of the grindhouse stuff because it starts off with like that yeah for the anaconda and i'm like oh okay like a little tarantino vibes here i could see what's you know where they're what they're going for so i was sort of in the pocket as in terms of like from the beginning understanding the feeling of this you know comedy uh so um and then from there like before you know it the thing's over and you got uh, the ghost of Abe Lincoln chopping down Richard Nixon and uh, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so everything, I mean, everything in between in it. that uh, it was still it was still a good watch. I mean, this is very obscure. I don't imagine we're gonna light up the charts with this uh, episode, but uh, it it was a fun watch.
0: Well, we we do have. Uh... Nikki Sweatpants as support. He, he thought this was a good pick. So, I guess you're probably, you might be wondering, well, wh- why did you subject me to this movie? How did you even hear about it? it? It's kind of a funny story and it's relatively short by my standards. I fell asleep watching TV one night. This was like in 2010 or 2011. And I was watching some movie when I passed. And I woke up at like five in the morning and this was on. And. The scene it was on was the scene where he's doing the showdown with the fiendish Dr. Wu on Kung Fu Island. And I woke up, and even in my bleary-eyed state, I thought it was hysterical, and I knew exactly what it was doing. I'm like, this is a black exploitation satire. And I had direct TV back then, so I could, you know, just find a future showing of it, record it, and watch it later. And I watched it, and I thought it was funny, and I told a lot of people about it that I thought would find it interesting. And, um, again, like I said, and the in the uh, kind of closing of our previous podcast there there is an alternate a better alternate universe I think where Michael Jai White is a huge action star like the dudes he's a he's a I think he's a pretty good actor he's a he's a physical specimen he's a tremendous fighter he has like I think he has black belts in seven different disciplines and one of the things that one of the one of, um Kind of wellsprings of the comedy in this movie is that, and, and I'm like you, Johnny. I don't know how many black exploitation movies you've seen. I've probably seen like less than ten. Like I oh, seen yeah. I've seen like the big ones. Like like I saw Blackula. I saw Shaft. I think i I think I saw one of the Dolomite movies. Like, but one of the ones with Pam Greer It was Coffee or Foxy Brown. I can't remember which one. But if you've seen just a handful of those movies and then you watch this, you know exactly what they're doing, like Mm -hmm. what they're satirizing, what they're making fun of. And as we've mentioned several times on this podcast, like usually when we're talking about Trey Parker projects, Trey Parker and Matt Stone projects, to make fun of something effectively, you kind of have to have a love for it. And it's clear that everybody involved with this, like even the mistakes you see in the movie throughout, like we won't do every single one of them, but like you know, when, when you see the continuity errors or like when he stands up and he's looking at a boom mic because he like the boom mics in the shot, he's just like looking at it. And it's like, there's inherent comedy in that outside of it being a historical reference to this, to this kind of movement in cinema to create, you know, kind of a, a different perspective, but it was very low budget and it was done on this one take kind of philosophy and that was all financial pressure. So that's why when you see these, you know, movies like Black Caesar and things like that, and there's just these goofy ass things in it. It's because it was just, you know, they were working guerrilla style and they kind of transferred that mindset to this film. Like, was there anything you noticed in particular? Or,
1: um, the and it was, I, well, here's the thing because I can't speak to this, uh, as an expert, but a lot of the cuts were pretty <laughs> abrupt. <laughs> I would say, well, a mix between abrupt but also just very segmented. You know, yeah. I, I, I it almost felt like, like, and, and maybe because Tommy Davidson's in it, and I always loved Tommy Davidson like, as a kid growing up watching In Living Color. Like, that guy would was so freaking funny. Like, if people... I know our audience is probably around our age range, so they probably know of him and know of In Living Color. But if you don't, like, go back and watch old In Living Color episodes for that whole cast. But he was always so damn funny like i remember him and david allen greer and jim carrey just like always cracking me up every scene like some were hit or miss you know and even keenan ivory waynes i'd be like you know I-, I could do without some of his sketches maybe that would change today watching it because maybe he had a more of a mature perspective on the comedy but tommy Davidson always cracked me up so seeing him in here uh also doing satire is like right in the pocket and i was like oh my god because we haven't really like his career really went nowhere and I think he deserved a better career in comedy quite frankly um so I I, it felt skittish at times maybe because he's in it um but I get you know still at the same time that there is this very easy to digest plot and all these scenes may not be necessary but they are necessary to cover areas that were covered in classic black uh, exploitation movies so
0: Right on. Yeah, to- Tommy Davidson made some very curious film casting choices that kind of n- made. I'm not. I don't want to be too like. I I like Tommy Davidson a lot too, so I don't want to be bashing him on a recording. But uh, you know, like like he was in this movie called Booty Call, and he was in oh yeah one with called Jamie Foxx. Yeah. yeah, I think they both had Jada Pinkett in them. I think they, at least I think- one of them did. I think they both did though. And they were, these were just these weird obscure movies. I saw both of them, but it was like. I know those movies both bomb pretty hard. I think Jamie Foxx was in Booty Call as well. I don't know how his Jamie Foxx was in
1: Booty that. Call. Yeah. Yeah. Um Booty Call I wanna say Halle Berry was in that one.
0: I know Halle Berry was in strictly business with Tom Oh no, it was, it was
1: Vivica Fox.
0: There it was we Vivica go. Fox. Yeah. Alright. Yep. Yep.
1: Anyway, back to the subject at hand. Um yeah, I I mean I definitely had parts of this movie that I laughed very hard at. So, uh, what was
0: one of them? Just off the, It doesn't have to be like the ultimate part, but like the first uh, one that comes to mind.
1: So you know me and I'm not going to like have you guess, but I bet once I tell you, you're going to be like, oh, I could see that. And it's when he's sort of putting Gloria at ease and he starts doing his little rhyming thing <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and he's like, I'm going to shake the tree from the roots and the rake and uh, rake up the fruits and rip it up out of the ground. And then he's about to finish and (laughs) euphoria interrupts him (laughs) he's like shut the fuck up (laughs) I didn't even have to look. I knew it was you. I was like, <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that. that. That's the funniest part in the movie for me, because he's like, has his moment. He's finally going to complete the courtship and he's got his final line to deliver. And she completely cuts him off and takes the, takes the, the heat or takes the spotlight. And he loses his mind in a way that, you know, that he'd been waiting for that moment forever. And he's like, and, and and he knows that she's done this type of shit a lot to him. So because he says, <laughs> I I didn't even have to look to know that was you. Euphoria, oh that murdered me. Like the rest of the movie could have been complete dog shit, and I would have been like, dude, I will talk about that scene like for now in the future talking about movies. I will reference that scene from this movie. So take from that what you will. Love that scene.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I see. I'm I'm just glad you didn't like totally hate this movie. Cause I thought, no, I no. didn't know, I didn't know if you were going to like this one or not. Cause this was definitely kind of a flyer because I mean, there's, as I said, there's even if you don't, re- if you've never seen a exploitation movie, some of the stuff just has a lot of it just has inherent comedic value. Like if you, you know that they're not trying to be serious and it's established pretty early on. And then you have. And you brought up a good point, like about Michael J. White's performance, how he, he, he has this kind of stoic, serious, like man, of, untouchable man of action thing, but then it's kind of all over the place, it, like that kind of showing his comedic range. But I, you know, it, it's kind of like the plots of those old movies too, and the plot of this movie, like it goes from the draw like there's drugs and there's the cia and there's an orphanage thing there's like a community activism angle and then then it turns into we're gonna go on a boat ride to kung fu island (laughs) like like it's just it's so much going on and and the movie's only 84 minutes long right yeah it
1: moves fast yeah and they get a lot in in those 84 minutes but and i don't know like how balanced exploitation uh, films were in terms of like Was it all Tongue in cheek or was it Does it just appear that way because Of the
0: cheesiness of the type of movies Like were they made in the spirit Of humor I don't think so I think that's why they were able to satirize it. Because I, I, I know there wasn't A ton of material out there about this movie But I did watch a, a few Interviews because how The movie kind of how how this came To be you know Conceived was that Michael Jai White was working on a movie called... He's been in a slew of questionable quality movies with awesome fight scenes. And one of them was this movie called Undisputed 2. And when he was working on that, he, um, he was just listening to a James Brown song. He was listening to Super Bad. And then he just had this idea about doing like a black exploitation satire. And it kind of went from there. And then he reached out to this guy named Scott Sanders... Who directed the movie, and he helped co- co-write it, and so did the actor who played Bullhorn, Byron Mins. And apparently, they leaned on him very heavily because he—they uh, said he had an encyclopedic knowledge of black exploitation film, and a lot of it's borrowed from. Like I'm not like you said, you don't want to get into the whole Easter eggs thing. I I understand that because it maybe you're not familiar with it, and maybe maybe the audience isn't familiar with it either. But and I mean, who it, the like, hell are you, we? Who the what, hell are
1: what? we to... Who the hell are we to do anything like that? No, but I
0: mean, like, you can see that, like, you... Because you you mentioned to me that you saw that movie that Eddie Murphy did, where he played... Where he do- made, he played the actor, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, who played do- oh, Dolomite. Right. And yeah. this movie heavily borrows from Dolomite in a bunch of different ways. Um... Like uh, the the bullhorn character is basically a stand-in for Dolomite. Like how badly he fights, and the rhyming talk, and all that stuff. And one of the comedic elements of that is that in these in these black exploitation movies, like you had guys like Jim Brown and Fred Williamson who were ex professional football players and they're athletes and stuff. But a lot, but then you have guys like Rudy Ray Moore who are like doughy and they could like they're they're doing these spin kicks and they're not even like going above their hip. But like, <laughs> and then you got a guy like Michael Jai White in the movie. Like, when you see the pool hall scene where it's like one of the first big fights, and he goes from looking like, like, he's actually trying to look like he can't fight. Like, where he, he's sw- he's swinging the nunchucks around and they like, he throws them up in the air and like, he's like, he's like kind of like fucking around and then he catches them. But then he goes back to doing his normal stuff and you're like, oh my God, this guy like can really fight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It was, so I think that like that's kind of the like uh, definitely one of the many sources of comedy in this film. It it, it felt like because I, the reason why I
1: asked that is because I didn't think that those films were made with um, humorous intent, uh, at least as its like main driver. So then when I look at this movie, like there were definitely some parts of the humor and the style of the humor that reminded me a little of Mel Brooks and like you know Blazing Saddles and. You know that type of uh, style of humor, Um, not you know one to one carbon copy, but reminiscent of that type of stuff. Like I could see, um, you know, a scene that happened, like the the deduction scene where you know,
0: (laughs) I I don't even know if that's a blaxploitation thing. Like I that's what I mean. That that feels like it's right out of uh, a Mel Brooks movie. You yeah. know, like that
1: so and that was really funny because they're all there and they're acting as though they all should know all of these facts that are not really connected at all to the <laughs> thing that came before it. And it and it keeps going almost like a Mike Myers bit where you're like, okay, and then and then that and then that and then it's like seventeen steps away from Mars, I think was the first uh Eminem's yeah. and belt from- in
0: your mouth. What did you say? <laughs> and then, then it goes on for so long that, like, some spectator gets involved. It's like, yeah, thanks, lady. And then they just yeah, go exactly. back to what they were right, doing. Right, right. <laughs>
1: That scene was, was really funny, too, and how they do the whole woo. <laughs> and then they, they incorporate Little Richard's name in. And then they're like, what's another name for Richard? <laughs> they cross it out. Dick. <laughs> 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 and then we get Dick Nixon. So there you
0: go. Oh, man. I mean, like... It's it's really hard for me to pick a favorite part of this movie, but one of them has to be what I consider the finest portrayal of Richard Milhouse Nixon on film. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, going through the motions. Frank Langella, hack. Give me James McManus and his white nunchucks as Nixon any day of the week. I mean...
1: <laughs> He has the in uh, emergencies break glass, and it's John Wilkes
0: Booth's revolver. When he <laughs> yeah, when John comes. Wilkes Booth, Derringer, and then like just just the beginning. Like he's just now black dynamite. There's a perfectly logical explanation for all of this. <laughs> His hair's all slicked back, all greasy looking. Like it's just <laughs> and then like you mentioned, you know, how happy you were to see Tommy Davidson. I mean, how about you get our city. Hall cameo? Oh. Mm-hmm
1: uh even um the uh, underrated phil morris who, who plays jackie childs in seinfeld
0: yeah yeah you've got nicole sullivan from mad tv as pat nixon yes who uses the word the, the racial slur mood cricket that i had never heard before until i saw this movie
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah um there's a few other people that i recognized but i was like oh what's their name like um like, Bokeem but, Wood, Woodbine? Yeah, has, he
0: was uh, Backhand Jack, credited as Blackhand Jack, part of the Pimp Council. And then uh, he, yeah. Cedric Yarbrough from Reno 911. Yep, John, uh, former
1: NBA forward John Sally uh, played Kotex. Um, and uh, R&B singer Brian McKnight uh, as Sweetmeat. I saw that, and I can't even
0: remember what part Sweetmeat was. Had
1: to like, have been a small because yeah. i don't know how much acting experience i mean someone will correct me wrong and tell me that brian mcknight is like shakespeareanly trained or something but uh i i imagine maybe he you know was his friends with him and he got him in on a role i'm not really sure um but yeah and then this guy who i know is in a bunch of shit as like a character villain richard edson uh you know i i i I'm trying to think of, I, I'm pretty sure the thing I know him most as is the guy who runs the parking garage in Ferris Bueller, who steals their car. <laughs> so like, just say, like, and it's one of those things where like, I'm not like, that's oh Richard Edson. I'm like, oh, that fucking face. I know that guy. I don't and even, then,
0: I, which guy are you talking about? Uh, he plays Dino. D, oh, one of the, was he one of the mob guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. Boy, well, you got Mike Starr from Goodfellas as well. Oh yeah, Don. well yeah, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I'm bringing in the heavy hitters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just just at, like chewing the scenery in every scene, but in a way that's just very enjoyable.
1: Oh yeah, I mean the, a, a bunch of like just you know people you've you've seen in things before. Yeah, Miguel uh,
0: Nunez Jr. from Juana Man. Yes. Oh wow. We're yes. really flexing now. Like people are like, why do these assholes have a movie podcast? They don't really even seem like they know that much. This is what we're, not, we're really, like, earning our non-money right now. <laughs>
1: we're, we're earning our uh, bottles of anaconda. <laughs> Have you guys tried this? This stuff's incredible. <laughs> that was another funny scene when they roll in on the guy and he just, they just show this t- tiny schween.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just pans in on it, like, three times with the dramatic music flare. <laughs> and it's like, do we kill him? <laughs> and then they do and it's <laughs> they do they because when do. Mike, it was funny cuz when Michael Jai White was talking about um his memories of black exploitation when he had the, this idea about this movie he's like he goes yeah the leads in these movies always had the most nefarious backstories like Jim Brown to be a club owner and then there would be some scene where he like shoots nine guys and then the CIA comes and talks to him about how he used to be a CIA agent it's like and they never explain any of it <laughs> <laughs> no uh, yeah yeah
1: i i think with a movie like this like they could have it could have made total you know no sense whatsoever uh and backstories was the last thing i was looking for so that yeah, was and, totally fine
0: with me and it's not just exploitation. i mean it just kind of sets up bad action movies like the whole like license to kill thing like i was the best cia agent oh, the cia yeah. ever had <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's always some yeah almost like you know like commando like, we were talking about how we didn't really need a backstory on that. We got our fill. Like, they they brought us up to speed in 30 seconds in the beginning of the movie, you know? And Commandos, as in my opinion, as ridiculous as this movie. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I remember... Um, I didn't really know... I knew Michael Jai White was Spawn, and that didn't do well. Right. That might have that, that hurt his career in some way. Uh, the way that... Um, Elizabeth Berkeley's career was hurt by showgirls you the, know?
0: in a way those movies kind of had the opposite problem like spawn should have been r-rated and showgirls should have tried to be like a less seedy like more chick-friendly type yeah. of movie and I think yeah. then it would have been like if it was if it was all like if 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 showgirls was kind of like a proto reality show and it was just about like her trying to get into a Las Vegas show and all the like backbiting and backstabbing and stuff and none of the like really just gross like graphic sexual stuff i think women would have like gone to see that shit in droves
1: we could have been talking about elizabeth berkeley being like the next julia roberts like it could have been a it could have been a pretty woman type of movie where it's like she's from the wrong part of town but she makes good and becomes successful i agree that i mean that's Um, one of
0: those things though generally for actresses that they take this big like sometimes when actresses take these this big risk and they play strippers it, like, never pays off. Like, almost never pays off. Like, think about yeah. what happened with Demi Moore and Striptease. Like, Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls. Um, yeah. Jessica Biel did this movie called Powder Blue where, like, it, she played a stripper and it just went straight to video. Like, yeah. it, it's... Uh, when Lindsay Lohan played a stripper In that I know who killed me movie I know that movie had like a ton of other problems But like one of the oh, things yeah. was They made a big deal about oh she's gonna be a stripper And she's gonna be naked and she took all these pole dancing lessons And it's like It's almost like it's this desperate like Hail Mary From actresses um, To try to stay relevant And it, it, it basically never pays off I mean there might be like one or two exceptions But yeah. I don't know there's just something that occurred to me, but this isn't some half-assed like you know uh, actresses <laughs> picking stripper movies to try to revitalize their careers podcast. We're we're talking to you about this really obscure black exploitation <laughs> satire, Black Dynamite, which one of the things that that they had to do, uh, everybody involved, uh, Michael Jai White, the 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 right, you know, he was one of the writers as well was that they had to they actually reshot a lot of scenes because they went too over the top with the goofiness because they wanted to keep it believe it or not this is the more, a res, more respectful homage to black exploitation. I, I guess they shot some scenes that were really really goofy and they deleted a lot of scenes too which I think to your like to your point I know one of the criticisms I read about this was that some people thought this movie didn't work as a feature film. It was like it, it would be better as like a skit maybe. Because you you said you described the movie as like kind of a series of skits. Yes, yes. and I can see that, but I, like I thought the movie was really funny as it was. I think if you kind of added a lot, like if, if it was like ten or fifteen minutes longer, I think it would have dragged. Like some spots already kind of dragged. Like when they did like the love, like when they did the love story thing, there were some funny moments in there, like when the girls say. You know the, the girls are like my my daddy. My daddy's name is Black Dynamite. It's like so. Oh like, yeah. He's like, "Hush up, little girls. A lot of cats have that name." Like that's funny. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like one of the things that was kind of goofy, I thought, and I I kind of found in my research was that when they did the lo- when they finally do the big love scene between him and Sally Richardson's character Gloria, who's like, yeah, it, it she's kind of like the archetypical. Like love interest in movies like this, like she's the one who's so different from the girls he usually gets with, and she has she has yeah. like, morals and a code. And yeah, she's like
1: she's like, should we call the police? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's got like a, a little bit of an attitude, but yeah. one of the things I read was that the reason they did that goofy um, animated love scene was because she doesn't really get na- uh, Sally Richards doesn't really get naked in movies. Like that's not her thing. I don't i I couldn't think of one. Like, I don't think she got dirty uh, into, like, a low-down dirty shame. That was, like, the movie she got kind of famous for, relatively hmm. speaking. She was also Will Smith's wife and I Am Legend. Those are, like, the first two things that popped to mind besides her being in this. But I guess that, like, they said, like, Scott Sanders, the director, said it was like, well, Sally Richardson wasn't going to get naked, so we had to come up with something else for the big love scene. So he thought of these, like, goofy, crushed velvet posters that had, that you, you used to see in the 70s that had, like, sex positions. For Each astrological sign, I didn't even you know, know those th- were a thing.
1: Th- this is this means absolutely nothing, but apparently, she was in the sequel to Anaconda called Anacondas. <laughs> was she?
0: Yeah, I also found out that Michael Jai White was an undercover brother too, which I didn't know existed.
1: I didn't know that existed either.
0: Yeah, wow, well, all right, anyway, and here we are, indeed. Indeed Well uh, in, in
1: terms of the Humor itself uh, Did you have uh, Aside from the Richard Nixon any, any particular scene That yucked you up uh, I mean it, it, Like
0: I said It's so hard for me To pick a favorite But I, I I'll always have A special affinity For the Fiendish Dr. Wu scene Because that was the first <laughs> time I was exposed to this movie
1: Was it th- where He uh he, he throws the thing through the window or the thing like comes the through whole the window.
0: sequence, but like where he shows up and then it's like Fiendish Dr. Wu comes out and he just like does that whole little they do that whole little Kung Fu showdown thing. One yeah. thing that was interesting. So Roger Yuan, I, I'm probably I'm terrible with Asian names. I, I apologize, but especially Chinese names. I struggle with those immensely. But um, he was one of the he and his brother were the he they did all the fight choreography for this movie. Oh, wow. And and uh, if you watch the fight between him and Black Dynamite, besides the parts where you know it's intentionally sped up and like out of focus and it's just it looks generally goofy, if you watch his hand speed, it is ridiculous, and it's not a camera trick. It's just like like moving like it, it, like him. It's almost like him like if you watch those Ip Man movies like like working a uh, blocking tree. Like moving for like, it, and, and Michael J. White's just keeping up with them. It's just like it's like, man, these two guys are like really good. Wow, and they're this goofy ass movie. I I don't know if you're ever gonna watch it again, but if you watch it again and you're like you're checking out, like maybe you'll pick up on some continuity errors you didn't see before, like some goofy stuff, and maybe that thing watch. I mentioned. But anyway. yeah,
1: I'll probably watch it again. I'm sure. I'm looking at other movies that that guy's in, and I guess he was his connection to Michael Jai White is that he played an uncredited Korean soldier in Spawn. Oh, um, okay. So maybe they they developed some sort of kinship uh, over martial arts while making that movie in 97. Um, but he was in American Kickboxer Showdown a Little Tokyo and you know small roles. He was Kickboxer number 2 in Showdown a Little Tokyo, you know. Uh, but he clearly knows his craft, you know, uh, for for a movie like this that probably isn't going to hang its hat on uh you know fight uh not even fight choreography but capturing of it fight direction and editing and that sort of thing and it still impressed you to the point where you're like this guy you know looks really good on, in a fight scene it's clear that you know he his rep- as um, rep- reputation precedes it so bulletproof monk 2 batman begins as a hazmat technician Oh, now was he I the guy who
0: it. said he gave the rundown about the the the? It, he was just guessing that it had to be absorbed that, through the lungs. Was that, that
1: him? I that's exactly who I think too. I
0: thought it was a different. I thought that was a different actor.
1: Yeah, that's cool that we just realized that. Okay, <laughs> right on, dude. The guy's been a lot of stuff. He's been in Skyfall. He's been in Bond movies. Like he's. You know, I'm sure he has the luxury of being able to walk down the street without uh, people recognizing him, so he has that and anonymity, but he also has this, you know, resume of all these franchises and big movies he's been in in small parts. John Wick recently, John Wick 3, uh, he, played, he had a role in Dune, so this guy's doing okay. And of course, we haven't talked about it yet, the quasi-spiritual sequel that came out last year, Outlaw Johnny Black, um, which is, I guess, more of a, a Western take, uh, yeah, I
0: watched the trailer and I kind of was like, I wasn't, I, I didn't think it'd be as funny as this. Like, I'm not, I'm not clamoring to go see it as much as I like this. Um, yeah. I, I know they did a Black Dynamite animated series a couple years after this came out. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't have, I didn't really have any interest in that either. Cause I think, you know, you got to stick to your guts. Like as much as I, I enjoy this movie, I just, I think it was enough. Like what we got was plenty.
1: You you don't want the black dynamite cinematic universe?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the, in, in true like seventies eighty action eighties action movie formula, the the tried and, the tried and tested formula. All all his compatriots are dead, so there's yeah. no there's no spinoff, right? They had yeah. Like, one of the things that I I thought was really funny, and this is, like, in the meta, like, kind of the meta commentary, is, like, when you watch the movie and he's doing all, like, he's fighting all these guys, and then it it always goes to this kind of formula where there's, like, a hierarchy of guys, and then the guy at the end is always the toughest, regardless of how little sense it made. And they did (laughs) the same thing with President Nixon in this movie. Like... Like if you watch all the fights he was in, like he was fighting a kung fu master and he didn't get touched, but then he's fighting Nixon and the first thing that happens is he he takes this huge spin kick and he like does like a tumbleweed sell over over a chair or a couch. (laughs)
1: Dude, Uh, Nixon, uh, you don't want to fight Nixon.
0: I I wouldn't want to fight Nixon. No. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think he'd be much of a challenge now, but yeah, now would be no problem. just, just the, I don't know, just like them take that, that portrayal of Nixon, just, it just slays me. I don't know why. Just him, like, where, where the dude's on the, he's on his desk and he's like swinging the nunchucks. He's like, you wanna fuck with me? And he just like kicks the dude in the face. <laughs>
1: it's, yeah, it, cause it's so, like, cause there's been so many different, uh, parodied takes on Nixon because he's an easy target because he's not a very popular past president and how he's the only president to have to have resigned and all that shame that came with you know whatever Uh,
0: yeah and there's always like that He, but he always has that like stoic like he's holding every like like, all the portrayals of Nixon I've ever seen it's just like he's just it's like he's holding on so tight to not show like real emotion I mean am I wrong in that
1: No, yeah, it's it's definitely. uh, Well, that was his whole thing. Not to you know try to be historical here or accurate in any sense, but I believe the whole thing with Nixon was the reason why he was a very paranoid guy, and he would record all their meetings. You know, he was he was that type of neurotic personality, and he kept everything very guarded. And he didn't like, you're right, he didn't like being outward. So he kept this tight nick, close group of circle, uh, which made him a controversial figure as it was. He wasn't an outward president. He wasn't very personable. He was very to the point. Uh, and then I think that's why this works, because all other portrayals, even in a humorous sense of Nixon, they try to just capture what he was and elevate it. So he'd be even creepier or even more guarded or even more just like grumpy and stuff. And then this one, it's like, He's just whooping ass, <laughs> like, <laughs> flying off the handle, emotions on his sleeve, begging to be killed at the end. <laughs> like it was, it was the yeah the most outrageous take out of maybe a tired parody that leaned more on his actual personality traits. Uh, this yeah, one just it, it was it like we're very, a very a complete cartoon version whole, of him. Yeah,
0: yeah, it dovetails very nicely with that whole like goes all the way to the top cliche. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. So I, I'm. I, I thought you were gonna hate this movie. So I, I'm. I'm really kind of glad that you found no. some humor in it. But I'm sure you yeah. have some criticisms as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, criticisms. Yeah.
0: Like the music, I didn't love. And, and I. Oh, so you didn't like? Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
1: I. I think well, only because I think, and it might have been on purpose, but I think they were like overusing the heightened. Um, musical tones that are used in these types of films in situations that probably didn't need them for humor. So it would be a pretty subdued scene, but you'd hear the da 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 da, they'd be like really hitting you over the head with the music as though like they were waiting for something big to happen and it didn't happen because they didn't have the budget or something. So that could have been it. Maybe I missed on that. So that could be me. But Adrian Young, I guess, did the music and is known for doing psychedelic soul music and what have you, but also edited the movie. Uh, and I don't know if I could think of Someone who had done the score of the movie Also being the editor of the movie So I find that to be
0: Oh wow I I didn't know that
1: And I don't know if that's You know I, I, I didn't look deep into uh, Adrian Young's catalog But I imagine This wasn't the first combo of that uh, So uh, In his career But I, I, I'm i not sure that. <laughs> but I, I can't think of, Again like I said I can't pull another movie Where it's like You know like John Silvestri scored this album, uh, this movie, and well, he also edited it. Like usually, that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's too, not how it goes. It's <laughs> two
0: very different skill sets. Alan Silvestri. Why did I say John? Silvestri? It's like it's like Hans Zimmer also edited the Dark Knight. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Oh, the um, Hans
1: Zimmer cut, and it's all molasses <laughs> scenes.
0: <laughs> That'd be fucking awesome. That would be awesome. I, I'd pay more.
1: Um, I now I want to play golf. Which is the card game? Me and Mike uh, used to play till wee hours of the morning because it's an easy card game to play when you're drinking, and you can play a lot of hands fast.
0: Yeah, and and it's fun because the more you drink, the harder it gets because your yes. memory gets worse. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I I actually thought Adrian Young was one of the unsung heroes of this movie because there was I I could see how some people might find it tiresome, but the it kind of did the basketball bit. Where the song was like narrating the action.
1: Oh, I got
0: you. I I mean, maybe they went to the well one too many times. Not for my taste, but but like where he's going into his, and it's like, Black Dynamite's going to Jimmy's apartment. And it's like, all like (laughs) period accurate. Like, they even were, like, he, I I watched uh, some some interview that he did, and he was talking about how he has like an analog studio and he has all these old uh, instruments. He has like sitars and harpsichords and things like that. And they just happened to know this guy. And he, he he was the guy who, and he recorded everything on, uh, I can't remember the medium, and then he transferred it to digital. They did the same thing with the film itself. They filmed it on Super 16 film. That's why, like, it's actually pretty interesting if you go online and you see the, the movie, and then they show pictures from the set, and you can see how washed out the color is. Oh, yeah. And it was all intentional. Yeah Like all the crazy stuff You see in this movie Like where the camera Just like shoots around And like It goes out of focus Sometimes And like that Most of that Was done on purpose Some of it wasn't And they thought it was funny They left it in the movie Like the scene where the dude Pulls up and the car, like, is going forward and he, like, he hurries and hits the brake. Like, that was an accident that they just left it in the movie because they thought it was kind of consistent with what they were doing.
1: I read that that's what drew him to wanting, part of what drew him to wanting to do this is he, I guess, was a big fan of those exploitation uh, movies. And because he was probably, you know, I think he's born in the late 60s. So he's probably like eight, you know, 10 years old when those movies were popular, you know, like Shaft and all that. So it's probably like his dad showed it to him or someone showed it to him and he he grew up liking them but he, he apparently would have host parties where he would watch these movies and almost like what we would do with like drinking games he would he would point out the the hilarity of the inconsistencies and stuff, so <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, like I gotta use those in my movie because that's the stuff that made me laugh, you know, and yeah, it's perfect like in the for beginning where
0: he he goes to that dude's uh, that that Nipsey guy's apartment and he like knocks him through the wall, the guy's there that he's not, they do a close, <laughs> then they show a close up that he's not there, that he's there again, <laughs> <Right>.
1: like
0: <laughs> right. deb- this movie definitely has a lot of replay value for not only that but just so many other things like you. You mentioned that this thing was, it's kind of like a, 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 it's kind of like an archipelago of disconnected, really fun, like, like the pimp summit, like that has nothing to do with anything, (laughs) but it's just, but apparently like, that's what got Arsenio Hall to do the movie. Like he showed, like he, they showed him a a script and he go, and he saw that there was a Captain Kangaroo pimp and he's like, okay, I'm doing the movie. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's...
1: Tasty freeze, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, and Arsenio Hall, like, people always like, I think, focus on his late night show and like whether that was a hit or miss and stuff. But like coming to America and like the work he did with like Eddie Murphy and stuff, like he's always been so funny. Like anytime I see Arsenio Hall, he he delivers. It doesn't mean he doesn't have to always be like. I don't know that he ever has been like the. The main lead or whatever he's usually plays the buddy or the friend or support <clears throat> but uh, he's always been very funny um you know i know we haven't done coming to america yet not sure we will i'm sure at some point maybe we get to that one but and i i gotta give the the, the sequel another crack because i didn't give it a fair shot but uh, uh our host.
0: i didn't did see that one i
1: i didn't either but it, you know if it's on amazon i'm able to watch it i'll watch it but Um, I've always thought Arsenio Hall was funny though. So anytime he, he pops in, it's sort of like, uh, um, a a higher tier, uh, of my feelings towards like Tommy Davidson or whatever. Cause I saw, I was surprised to see Tommy Davidson and it made me happy to see him. And I was like, I think focusing on him a lot, uh, in a lot of the, um, Ensemble scenes, particularly the deduction scene, when you know they're all they all have a role to play in that scene, but I was focusing on him for his reactions to other things people say because his facial expressions are just funny in themselves. So, (laughs) which which lends to your point of like maybe I do need to rewatch this because this is the type of movie, even though it's short, the plot's simple, uh, it's very on the surface and fun. Your eyes can observe something completely different if you just dart them to the right in a scene that you watched when you were looking to the left or something. Yeah, and as
0: goofy likely. and fun as this movie is, there's a lot more going on <laughs> than you would think. Like, like, uh, oh, one thing I wanted to mention about Tommy Davidson—you mentioned him being funny. Apparently, he improv that whole order that he does in that scene. Oh, I don't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I, I thought that was pretty cool. But like, like Michael J. White, for example, came up with this backstory for the actor playing Black Dynamite. So he was playing an actor, like he was playing a washed up Baltimore Colts running back named Ferrante Jones who got drummed out of the league because he had a neck injury. So like what he would kind of act in character. Like if you watch the movie, he doesn't really turn his neck a lot. What? And that's because he kind of created this backstory for the for the black exploitation Because a lot of these black exploitation actors were former Athletes like like I mentioned Jim Brown and Fred Williams and they were both pretty famous football players, but um, I I, like that was just a level of detail that I was like wow that's crazy because like one of the things they did to kind of drum up interest in this was they filmed a trailer for about five hundred bucks like Michael J White went out he rented he rented a costume the same costume that he's wearing in the end of the movie like the denim with the bit with the white shirt and he took a picture of himself with some nunchucks and a gun. And he showed him to his friend Scott Sanders, who he would worked with on this other movie called Thick as Thieves, who mm-hmm. which had Alec Baldwin in it.
1: Eric Baldwin.
0: <laughs> it had Alec Baldwin and somebody else in it. I can't remember some. I I can't remember what actress was in it, but she was pretty. She was kind of a name you'd know. Uh, but anyway, that like that that's that connection. And then um. <laughs> he just. I got kind of lost my train of thought with this one. I started babbling about Thick as Thieves, and then I just forgot. Oh, man. Uh, oh, I mean, it's, it, it, it's fine. It's fine. But,
1: well, that, that gives me the opportunity. Well, I think we'd be remissed if we didn't uh, at least mention uh, another black action star that we just lost recently, Carl Weathers.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. that's. Uh, I try not to get too broken up about celebrity deaths, but, like, like, Sean Connery was a tough one. -hmm. Carl Weathers, yes, that's uh, that's not that's not great. That's not great.
1: Yeah, and because like, I mean, he's been working in Star Wars recently, and he was just recently at the celebration in London. So I saw him there. Not, I didn't meet him or anything, or you know, pay to get a photo with him or anything like that. But he was on the stage, and I saw him in person, and he seemed fully healthy, mentally, physically, and you know, I know he was in his late seventies, and sometimes that shit just happens but uh just a bummer anyway because he seems in all interviews to be like such a down-earth legit dude and you know go down the list of you know things that we've we've done two movies with him in it that i could think of already predator happy gilmore um and probably more on the way but uh rip call carl weathers as we're sitting here talking about black action movies and stuff so uh, yeah,
0: and sorry, I got the babble train back on the on the track. So and I was there ta- we are. I was talking about. Thank you very much for that that reprieve. Um, <laughs> I was talking about the trailer that they filmed, and they they had a uh, in the voiceover. They even brought in this famous guy who did black uh, uh, voiceover work for set trailers in the 70s. His name was Adolf Caesar, and they were talking about black dynamites. Five. Adolf 000- Caesar. Yeah. What the fuck kind of name is that? It's with a PH, so it's a little better I don't know
1: But Caesar too
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's a stage name But you just you just never know sometimes um, He's like, uh, what's your middle name? Stalin <laughs> What the fuck's with this guy, man? <laughs> what's your middle name? It is Pol Pot It's like, Jesus <laughs> Jesus Jesus <laughs> Oh,
1: Chris but Kermit. like in
0: the in the trailer for the, this fake trailer they made, they they said the star of it was Ferrante Jones, ex Baltimore Colts running back. It was like just another thing they did to like uh. date the movie and create this like fake history around it. They talk about like his five thousand dollar car and his hundred dollar suits because <laughs> he's such a he's such a big shot. I I don't know like, I know this movie wasn't really successful. Like I think the budget was just under three billion dollars. I think it pulled in like less than half a million at the box office because it got a really limited run. They yeah. might have made some of it back in streaming distribution rights, maybe, but probably not. Enough, not.
1: Yeah, not enough for a sequel because I, I think they were hoping to do one, um, but just wasn't in the courts probably from a financial perspective and maybe too big of an undertaking for him to take another shot at it. So, Because um, I'm not sure... I didn't. I mean, it's my fault for not looking in. in, in, Not looking into it, but how this was funded, I don't know if it's an independent film or a studio decided to run with it,
0: but uh, try to find that out quickly. No, I'm pretty sure it was independently funded, but I know that this company, uh, I think Sony bought the distribution rights for like two million. Wow. Yeah. Yeah but then only got released to like 70 theaters or something. Hmm. I wonder if the, with the experience that we had with the Grindhouse movies, as much as we enjoyed that experience, like if we knew about this movie at the time, I wonder if I would have gone to see it. I probably would have. I want, I want to think, but like 70 theaters nationwide. That's, that's not a great, not a great probability there. Yeah.
1: And probably if, if, just my assumptions are i'm sure they popped a handful in you know urban city areas um so there's probably entire states that didn't have this movie available in one theater yeah that makes sense like like they're not they're not throwing this thing up in you know alabama
0: random aside about michael jai white that might interest you as a resident of connecticut he graduated from bridgeport uh high school and oh he's, wow. He's like trying to start a movie studio in New Haven.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Wow. So,
1: best pizza in the world and a potential movie studio. Really? Yeah, You're Haven. a New
0: Haven pizza guy? Oh yeah. I thought you'd yeah. be like a I thought you'd be like a New York or like the, one of those New York pizza supremacists. No, I mean, I,
1: I think New York pizza is great, but I think if Connecticut's going to have anything, uh, because we don't have anything, <laughs> it would be the pizza. Cause, and not even just New Haven. The, you know, My wife's favorite place is in Derby, and it's just it's a small little place, and it's called Roseland Pizza. Roseland a pizza. And it's the best pizza I've ever had in my life. So... We have that, you know. We our cities aren't great. It's really expensive to live here. There's no professional sports teams anymore. Uh, we are living vicariously through being border connected to New York and lesser so, in my opinion, Massachusetts. So give us pizza, for the love of God, just give us give us the pizza. And deep dish ain't pizza. I don't want to hear anybody from Chicago
0: talking about freaking. Chicago is the best. Just place just us. do the whole John Stewart thing. We've got yeah time. yeah. Just do the yeah. whole John Stewart. Well, thing.
1: and he, and he's back. He's back on the Daily Dude, Show. That right is right? that's <laughs> fucked
0: up. I saw that on the. I'm like man. It, true De, the season one of True Detective was right. Time really is a flat circle. Like <laughs> it's just we're doing John Stewart on the Daily Show again. Except he's just he looks like his age now. Yeah, and he's doing just
1: the Monday. Oh, is that what it is? He's doing Mondays, and then I don't know if they're doing, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Otherwise, why call it the Daily Show? But I don't really care. I'm not going to watch it. I don't really watch TV. There
0: was so much, like, bullshit with the Super Bowl that it was like, we're just running this back now? Like, we're just doing this again? Because there's no more original ideas? Like, at least with this movie, it was an original idea. It wasn't adapted from anything. It It was an homage, and it borrowed heavily from from a genre that's basically been, I don't, I don't want to say forgotten, but it's, it's pretty obscure to most people. You know, now think, it's just, everything's adapted from something.
1: I agree. I agree. I think there needs to be more of this. And the way the recent trends are with box office, it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing studios invest more in smaller movies that aren't going to make them $500 million, but will be profitable. Yeah. Cause like I just saw, I mean, I, we're going on a tangent here, but I believe we have the time allotted to do so. But uh, like that Madam Web movie, the the reviews on that are just horrid. <laughs> it, it's uh, Sydney Sydney Sweeney. Uh, the three of them can't save this movie. So <laughs> oh I I don't I, I just don't see that type of like I know that's Sony just take on Marvel, but and I'm sure Deadpool will crush. But well, a lot you know, of these big movies be- just. If they do well
0: don't anymore. make it PG-13 The rumor oh. is they're They're gonna De- go against the formula Cause like Deadpool 2 was a good movie But it was already kinda slipping Compared to the original you Like I don't do, think it's out of line to say that
1: You can't do PG-13 Deadpool You can't do PG-13 Die Hard And they fucking did it they, uh, It's like they never learn No I, I don't know they, 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 they think they're They overthink that shit Like too much And like Live Free or Die Hard probably would have been a decent movie if it was a rated R, but it wasn't, so it wasn't that good. But uh, anyway, um, and I—I'll be honest, I don't think I've saw the whole final die hard that movie was so bad it was, once I heard, it, was
0: it was fucking terrible <clears throat>
1: once like, i heard his son is now in the fbi and shit i'm like no no cia here. he it's, CIA. It's, it's,
0: this like that uh, that aspect of a good day to die hard is almost like black dynamite played straight like, <laughs> <laughs> right right and i i like michael jai white so i
1: i hope you know i haven't looked at what he's got upcoming uh obviously like i said he did the spiritual sequel. To this uh, last year Um, but he's I'm sure he's still got a lot in him I don't know you know if people are signing him up for stuff or if he's making his own stuff so I haven't seen him he hasn't done a movie since 2020 uh, or a TV since 2020 but he has a movie coming out one more shot it's a direct-to-video movie um, yeah, a
0: lot of his stuff was like like him and Scott Adkins. They're both like really talented martial artists. They're decent actors. Like I'm not gonna say they're like. And guess
1: who's in that movie with him?
0: Is it Scott Adkins? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out this year. It's a British produced action thriller. Uh, it's a direct sequel to One Shot, and it's called One More Shot. Ah, uh, yeah. And Tom Berenger's in it at the right page of 98. So that's good. <laughs> Tom wow. Berenger. That that man is aged terribly though, you know.
0: I, I mean, I mean, I I can't talk, man. I I caught a picture, I caught a look at myself in the mirror the other day. I have a pretty strict. I, I've always said like I'm never gonna dye my hair. Like I'm just gonna let it happen because I have like black hair. Well, I yeah. had black hair, and it's rapidly graying. And I was just like, man, you can spot a black dye job from like a mile away. Like I'm never gonna do it. And then like, I was looking at my he hair, in the mirror, in I'm like, <laughs> Dino, bite? Uh, no, I. uh... I was looking at my hair, and I'm just like, I'm like rethinking. I'm like, man, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if it looked like I had a beard full of fucking copy toner. Maybe like it wouldn't be that bad. Like I you just know have what this the- old haggard face and like this jet black hair and beard. <laughs> you look like Steven Seagal. Yeah, it's like it's like light doesn't even bounce <laughs> off of it. It just absorbs into the into the. It's like just a, just like a gallon of black number one, and it just it just looks like a wig, but it isn't. It, it looks like I'm wearing a Wayne Newton wig At all times But I'm not
1: And then and then to counteract it So you don't look like Dracula You start tanning And then it just And then you just Then you just become this Leathery Glossy
0: God dude That's how it happens though Like Yeah like, When you look at like I know like women it's it's worse for them, and I'm not gonna like make like. But when you see like the bad plastic surgery and stuff like that, and it's the same with men too. It always starts with something like that. It always starts with something simple. Then next thing you know, you're fucking putting fillers in your face, and you're getting lip injections, and then you're getting a hair transplant. And before Just you know Mickey it, Mickey Rorke yourself. Yeah, you're Frankenstein's monster, <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Yeah, that's a Mickey I, I, Rourke. Oh, he
1: looks like a wax statue or something like it, it's it's so bad it's so bad yeah it Sheet. is
0: um and then everybody's but like, anyway well, wh- what does mickey Rourke have to do with black dynamite nothing nothing i don't know
1: <laughs> he should have been in it as the villain he should have played richard nixon
0: <laughs> no ab- uh, no <laughs> I, absolutely not you know that's wrong
1: <laughs> all right hey, could he have been gerald ford <laughs>
0: Spiro Agnew, maybe? Yeah, exa- Kissinger. exactly. Kissinger. Mickey Rourke oh, trying to do a German accent with that oh, face.
1: Yes. Y- Missed opportunities. The
0: only thing that could have made this movie better, in my opinion, now that I think about it.
1: Mickey Rourke as Henry Kissinger. It's, I it's, think
0: what, it's what this movie needed, and I didn't realize it.
1: Right. We're talking, I mean, because then you're looking at... Like, forget the wrestler. Then you're looking at Mickey Rourke potentially getting a supporting actor Oscar. (laughs) um, Michael Jai White potential, you know, Oscar for a screenplay. Um, Because, you know, Mickey Rourke would act the shit out of it. Um, Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. You had about 12 minutes to this movie and make it all of Mickey Rourke. Get it over the hour and a half mark we're on to something. Yeah, you just got um. Mickey
0: Rourke talking about like like geopolitics. It's just, like in a room ru- <laughs> like in a situation room and it's just like, what does this have to do with the
1: movie? It's like, is that? No, it'd be like cuz they'd have him like all in the makeup and everything. So you'd be like, is that fucking Mickey Rourke?
0: <laughs> is that Mickey Rourke doing like a worse <laughs> accent than he did in Iron Man 2? <laughs>
1: They just have him in the Iron Man 2 outfit.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got like blob dreadlocks, but he's he's doing a German accent. And, like and he's the, Henry Kissinger. Yeah, the only reason you know he's fucking Kissinger is because he has like the nameplate on his desk. That says Kissinger. Like the CIA guy. Like when they go to visit him, any person of interest fans probably recognize Kevin Chapman who played uh, the CIA contact O'Leary. He goes to his office, he just has this big nameplate that just says O'Leary on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mark out for, like, little shit like that, where it's just it's just the movie's just... It's just not even really trying to be serious. Like, yeah, dude, but
1: like, the thing about this movie, though, it it was... I mean, I know it didn't make a lot of money, but I was noticing that it was received well critically and by audiences in terms of, like, reviews... Um, I'm not the biggest Rotten Tomatoes guy, but it does give you the quick snapshot of, you know, critic versus audience. Um, And it's not too bad. Let's see. It's the, uh, yeah, critics, 83% of critics said it was, uh, they liked it. And 85% of audiences liked the movie. So it wasn't for lack of interest uh, in terms of, you know, when they eventually watched it. But I think the limited release, um, probably just because like marketing these movies and how much you'd have to pay the theaters and distributors, like it probably would have not been worth the attempt. And I see that. Um, But, you know, when I I, I was I was surprised to see that this was like a critically acclaimed movie because sometimes people don't like parody. Uh, But uh, I think Michael Jai White got it uh, got it right on this one.
0: Yeah, him and the team definitely got it right. Like this is like the reason I told my story about it because I, I, one, I think it's kind of it, like how do you discover a movie like this? I'm sure there's plenty of other, maybe people, maybe one of your friends told you about it, maybe you, maybe you saw it in the guide. And you took a flyer on it because you thought the name was ridiculous, which yeah. is all part of it. But I mean, for me to wait, like just to wake up out of a sound sleep and watch like two minutes of a movie and be like, I know exactly what this is, and I really want to see the whole thing. Right. So that like that clearly shows you that they did an excellent job. The whole like everybody involved of creating this black split And like, you know, as we've we've established, we're not seasoned watchers of the genre. But
1: Oh no. Yeah, I mean most of my inspiration comes from Black Hammer White Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Which if our audience doesn't already know, is a movie within a movie in Major League Two with Omar Epps playing Black Hammer and Jesse the Mind. Or was he still the body then, I guess? I don't Jesse know. What the...
0: he... I don't know. I think that was before he moved to Mexico, though, and went off the grid.
1: <laughs> I still... Your your impressions are still out there on YouTube somewhere. Oh, okay. my God, man. Like that's people... not even really
0: like a Jesse Ventura impression. It's more like a Hulk Hogan impression.
1: <laughs> it's so good, though. I love it. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to pe- people to think or us to pretend that we had some sort of you know, innate knowledge of the history of these movies and how they're made and you know, you know, what the productions were like or anything. And, and I don't. But so I just go by what I read up on Michael Jai White's experience. And why he loved those movies and why he wanted to make this was because he liked the fact that it had all those inconsistencies and people didn't care back then. That was another cool part of like movies in the 70s. You know, we were doing Dirty Harry. We were joking about some of the stuff that now probably looks silly that back then was not intentionally done that way. But just people just didn't care. They were there for the ride. And people are way too critical these days of like... Oh, he didn't, you know, that that coffee cup was full on the last shot. You know, people focus way too much on that shit today. And I think it's, uh, I, I like knowing that back then people just enjoyed movies and, and didn't like nitpick as much. And I like him celebrating, he loves those movies so much, but he celebrates their faults and made a, com- a cool comedy out of it.
0: Yeah, this movie's loaded with anachronisms, like the cars that shouldn't be there, the weapons that shouldn't be there. Like stuff yeah. like that, but it's uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm go- what what are what are like kind of your concluding? I know we're kind of like reaching the end here because there weren't, you know, there wasn't like a ton of production. Like the movie was, the script was written in three weeks. The movie was shot in three weeks. Like it just, it all went very smoothly, and apparently everybody <laughs> really had a great time making the film, from what I understand. Yeah, and I think that shows through. But uh, I I was really curious to get your thoughts, man, because I was kind of nervous about. It. I didn't want this to be like one of those movies that felt like kind of require like assigned reading for you.
1: No, yeah, I wasn't sure. Tr- like when you had like picked it, I was like, oh fuck, I was like, all right, I was like, okay, because I it's not in my wheelhouse. One, two, I hadn't seen it before, so I'm not sure what to you know expect. And I didn't want to disappoint you and like be like, "Fuck, I hated that movie." Now I gotta fucking talk about it. But luckily, I laughed a bunch and I thought it was fun. And if that's all I get from it, that's all I need to get from it because that's its intention is to make me laugh and entertain, and it did. So uh, I would love to you know see more movies like this. I think this is parody done right. Whereas, like recently, we were on the podcast, we were talking about how sort of those scary movies and that those, uh, you know, franchise IP parodying things just got really stupid to the point where it's not even funny. Um, I think this type of thing, which was made around the same time as those sequels, other parody sequels, uh, just does it the right way. And it pa- also pays tribute. It's not just, let's take a scene that exists, do it exactly again but just paint this lens over it that just makes it stupid. They like he honored the things he loved while pointing out the silliness in them and saying like this is okay, this is cool, this is fun. This is, you know, and I think uh, that's what made this movie good. It's cuz he actually like cared
0: about it. Yeah, you know? I'm kind of kicking myself now that I didn't give the disclaimer cuz I know a lot of people prob- like, probably people aren't going to listen to this if they haven't seen the movie. I think they kind of know our 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 formula by now that we just get deep into it we're going to be talking about major plot points and stuff like that but if for some reason people haven't seen black dynamite i would really encourage you to see it like it's so much fun it's short it's 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 breezy it's like and there's just there's so many sources of comedy for this movie you'll like, laugh yeah it's you, like you, it it's for for a movie that's supposed to be this this just kind of goofy satire of kind of a A genre that was culturally important, but maybe kind of lacked in objective artistic quality. Because black exploitation is very important to the, as as my understanding is, it's very important to the black community, regardless of how those movies came out, the final product. It was something that was produced, the stars, the production, even the financing, it was all from the black community. Yeah. And it was something that, you know, that, but like, I always think it's interesting when we we talk about these actors, and it's like they ha- like like how Quentin Tarantino has those those little grind he had those grindhouse parties at his house, and that's what led to the grindhouse films. And I think that's part of the reason I had such an affinity for this too, because I I was such a fan of that concept, like being introduced to that kind of schlocky exploitation cinema, because I didn't get to live through that, and you can still experience it, but it's. I, I don't want to sound like a hipster or anything, but it's not exactly the same. You could, it, it, there's uh, like, there's no excuse for not seeing classic movies. Like I remember, I, I'll never forget this. There was this guy I used to work with at an old job and he was a good dude, smart kid, whatever. He was younger though. And I remember I was trying to talk to one of my coworkers about Ghostbusters and he goes, what's Ghostbusters. And I, I looked at him and I was like, and I just, I just knew that like me and that guy were never going to like have anything in common. It's just like, yeah, the movie came out like eight years before you were born, but that's no reason not to have seen it. How
1: is that possible?
0: I don't know. Maybe his parents thought it had satanic imagery. I, I don't know. <sighs> Subliminal messages. Maybe they thought that Sigourney's weaver seed as Zool was too racy to show to their precious young son. I don't know. I'm just speculating.
1: Oh, I mean, Zool's pretty nice. <laughs> You
0: know? Yeah, but I, like this movie, I, I I could never stop. Really, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna have to at some point. It's gonna have to be pretty soon because we have a rule. We have a, a unwritten rule that we rarely break, and this this you know this movie's only eighty three or eighty four minutes long. But there's so many layers to the comedy in this film. Like there's yeah. so many. And I, if you watch it, like, I've probably seen this movie 20, 30, 40 times. I don't know how many over the years. And when I was rewatching like I the, when you I know you say this a lot. This was one of those movies that I almost didn't have to watch. Oh, nice. I could have done this whole discussion and made all the same points because so be- so much of it is memorable for me. It's not like it's a ton of stuff to memorize. You know, it's right. a it's a short, pretty breezy movie. But I, I'm, I'm glad you indulged me with this one. And I, I'm glad you had fun with it. Because when you said, like, we, I know we don't do a lot. There's a, a little behind the curtain. But Johnny and I don't talk a lot between shows, especially about the show. But Johnny texted me on Thursday And he just texted me Just watch Black Dynamite That was a movie And I was like Oh fuck He didn't like it Oh <laughs> no, uh, like, no
1: Yeah text is, I, That's why I don't like text Yeah it's, it's, Yeah That's that's. It's a
0: limitation right. of the format Like I just saw that I was like Oh boy
1: So if I said Just watch Black Dynamite That was a movie Oh <laughs> World of difference, or, or <laughs> I just watched Black Diamond, Dynamite. That was a movie. <laughs> yeah, like, there's so many ways, you know. And I don't like to overuse the exclamation points, you know. To, to yeah, way. I'm the same.
0: Well, I, I know a lot of people with text etiquette say you shouldn't use periods because they come off as very uh, or kind of severe. Yeah, and yeah. I always text with periods. Yeah, I spent a long time learning grammar, and I try to use it properly.
1: Yeah, in this day and age, it's a rarer thing. It's a rare thing. Yeah, um, it's like
0: it's like people think you're you're fucking weird or something because you use actual <laughs> sentences and proper punctuation.
1: Yeah, they're like who is this guy? Like a Bill Shakespeare? But I uh the the last thing I, that I don't think we really talked about much is like that is also very funny is just his like facial expressions. I talked about <laughs> I talked about Tommy Davidson's but his little like fucking side eye and stink eye and all that shit he does in this movie and like the, like the look of frustration on his face or he looks up, you know, uh, that stuff in itself is also very funny. So it's like, there's, it's like someone being funny in a movie is like multi-layered and sometimes maybe it is just dialogue or sometimes it's a uh, silly slapstick stuff, but also like a facial expression, uh, like Jim Carrey jokes, he like made a career out of having a rubber face. And it's just like, sometimes how people just... React to other people saying things in movies is funny in itself, and and that's definitely loaded in here too.
0: Yeah, so. he the facial expressions, which are also kind of part of that, you know, they like they have they had a the scene zoom where, in, yeah, what, what they like, zoom into their yeah. face, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. like he'll be looking at they, they, they had some of the some of the just like crazy stuff they have in this movie, like when he comes in and and the guy says militants turn startled like and he's reading stage directions from the script (laughs) and all that stuff is in the script like i've seen a couple examples of it where they just and then he turns and he like looks off camera and he's like sounds all confused like he's waiting for the director to cut but they don't and the scene just continues (laughs) wait well i like i can't say enough good things about the central performance in this movie because they just took all these, all these stereotypes and really played off of them. And it was, it was really a lot of fun. And the like, like his range, like going from, you know, the, the implacable, like the kind of the, you know, the unmovable action hero. And then like, he's just hitting his one liners with no emotion. When <laughs> Like one of my favorites in the movie was when she's like, Ooh, I get off in about 15 minutes. She's like, you're right about that sugar. You're right about that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or, you know, I am smiling. Like, <laughs> but then, weird. like he's he's like just just swinging for the fences when he's holding a severed head in his hands. He's like giving this like weird speech about a struggle against the man, and then <laughs> but then he's talking about kung fu treachery. I don't know. This movie is such a is such a just obscure masterpiece. I just wish I just wish it had a better shake, man. I don't I don't know. Like I said, I don't even know if you could really call it a cult classic. Like you made the distinction. Yeah, it it, it is. It's not like people say it's garbage, or it's not like Sharknado, where people ironically enjoy it because it's like yeah. one of the worst pieces of shit they've ever seen.
1: Like that's how you get Creed the band back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, Mark Shrobadi's a great guitar player, though.
1: I, I have nothing against Alter Bridge, but you throw in the step and we got problems.
0: Yeah, I and then seeing him in that Super Bowl commercial was just. <sighs> Anyway. Well,
1: anyway,
0: we should have yeah. done a we should have done a podcast about the Super Bowl, just to yeah. kind of talk about that highest rated TV program of all time. But it, yeah. but I had a lot of fun talking about Black Dynamite with you. Thanks uh thanks for coming yeah. with me on this one. I know yeah. it, it <laughs> I know you had to kind of take a leap of faith on it, and I appreciate it. I had fun.
1: I, I I and I wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't for us doing this podcast probably. Or you know if you had said. Oh, you gotta watch, you know, Black Dynamite. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get to it as required viewing. I'd be like, all right, I'll keep that well, in mind. Well, I know how
0: hard it is for like married dudes with two kids to just watch random movies. Like it's like, oh yeah, sure. Like I'll do yeah. that tomorrow. <laughs> right. Like yeah, right, I'll, right I'll do that with all the of oodles movie. of free time that I have to work with.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like sorry, I have to watch uh, Frozen for the five hundredth fucking time. Ah.
0: Oh. <laughs> you. <laughs> trying to well, get my every- kids into
1: the classics but they, they not
0: nothing yet every, everything's a trade-off man i'm sure yeah. there's lots of great things about having a family but
1: oh uh, of course yeah but that's not funny like saying fun saying good things about having kids like no one wants to hear that that's Didn't true that's true yeah.
0: it, it it's all uh, yeah it's almost like you're it's almost like you're just saying it because it's either you don't believe it and you're trying to sell someone else on it or yeah. it's just like, all right, now you're, what are you just rubbing my face in it? Because I, exactly. It's like yeah. with your happiness. Like yeah. I'm all Th- neurotic and you're, you're all great because you have a kid that like <laughs> hands you a cookie and that like warms your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Anyway. Yeah. So we went off the rails a little bit with this one, but we hope you all enjoyed us <laughs> talking about Black Dynamite. And again, if you haven't no. seen it, this is way too late for this, but I hope you do see it. And maybe garner some of the enjoyment for yourself And now I'm curious How the yeah. best of the business is going to get this show Back on the rails after a slew of comedies and, and me picking Yet another obscure film
1: Well first a PSA To any of our friends Or listeners Of the male variety Who are watching this Especially if you have the short end of the stick Stay away from the anaconda <laughs> next up for us uh we're going big uh' we're, but along the theme of you know an individual who took a swing and tried to make something happen and the movie ended up winning best picture and someone we talked about on this podcast today is a big part of why that movie was so successful so we are doing 1976. Rocky.
0: Yes. All right. It's about time. It's about fucking time. Thank you. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, I was on the fence
1: between this and another movie, but then we started talking about Carl Weathers and I'm like, we got to fucking talk about Rocky, man.
0: And that opened and that- the door to talk about uh, all the other Rocky movies except 5. Like not even right. Stallone would want us to talk about 5. Did you right, see that I- interview?
1: Uh, I don't know which interview you're talking he, about. He he did
0: some random interview and somebody asked him to grade the Rocky movies and he just gave rock he gave Rocky five like an F. He's just like, yeah, it was it was ill conceived. It didn't do this. It didn't do that. He actually had a pretty good. I'll have to find it. I'll have to track that down for you. Maybe we'll maybe we'll post it on our social media or maybe we won't. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things to say about, you know, Rocky Balboa, the movie and and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, we're going to do the original Rocky, definitely pepper in our thoughts and and about the sequels, too. Uh, But that should be a nice meaty discussion uh, to, you know, change the palette a bit and uh, go for uh, a movie that was a surprise hit. And uh, we created a franchise and and certainly launched a career, so among others. Um, but uh, yeah, Mike, anything else for our audience before we hop out? Nah, buddy, take us home. All right, thanks everybody. You know, keep spreading the word of the podcast. Uh, we hope you're enjoying what we're doing here. So tell a friend. All you have to do is either share a link with them or just tell them to look up just like the movies on a podcast app. It's free. It's right there for you. And if you don't mind rating us, five stars would be sweet. Uh, that helps us show up in searches as well, because there are a ton of movie podcasts. Uh, but we're glad that you listened to this one. It means a lot to us. So, uh, from Mike and I here at Just Like the Movies, we hope you, as always, be kind, rewind, relax, and we'll see you next. Showtime,
0: motherfucker! <laughs>